for just about everything for the outdoors, go to MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit Tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. First, it was Tony Gilbertson. Then it was the man, Jermaine Hodge. And folks, we ain't stopping yet as the hits just keep on playing. It's part three of our Elk Calling Geminar series, y'all. On this week's show, one of the best at sharing nuggets and sweet-talking, the old wily Wapiti, our northern Don from Alberta, Canada, the Canadian slayer himself, Mr. Travis O'Shea, is in the house. So get ready, y'all. The gems just keep on falling. That discussion, our Elk Bros shout-outs, and questions from our awesome Elk Bros mailbox. So, my friends, pull up a chair, adjust your volumes just right, and welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunting. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunting, brought to you by ElkGrows.com, with your host Gilbert Ornelas and elk hunting coach Joe Gilly. You want to hunt elk? They live to hunt elk. Their goal is to share with you what they have learned grinding it out for over 35 seasons doing what they love. So come on into camp and set a spell. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunters. Hello there, everyone. If this is your first time with us, glad to have you. Hope you enjoy the show. And as always, for those blue-collar hunters following our show and grinding out with us every week, welcome back to Elk Camp. And as you can tell, I am not Gilbert Ornelas. (laughs) Gilbert is finishing up an amazing trip with family in Mexico to see his father's ashes honored and giving him an incredible send-off. So, Gilbert, dude, we love you, brother. We miss you. Um, but I can guarantee y'all he will be back next time. So with that said, I am Joe Gillia, and joining with me is tonight's crew. We got them from all different places, man. This is awesome here. We've got Luis Gonzalez, who is... I'm giving an the undisclosed. Leader, the leader of the hey, hey, hey. <laughs> Careful, Joe. Careful. 
the Manano Graterón, who is also in an undisclosed location. So you got to understand, when you're in the mafia, there is witness protection, you know. <laughs> and, yes. you know we have to put in places at times. Um, and with us as well, I call him Chav, my hunting partner and best friend of 41 seasons, Leroy Chavez, right there. And also joining us tonight from Alberta, Canada, he manufactures his own line of incredible Wapiti River diaphragm calls and bugle tubes, as well as being the maker, y'all, of the Elk Bros signature calls. He has placed third in the professional division of the World Elk Calling Championships. He is a huge seminar favorite and part of the Elk Bros team and our success squad coaching staff. Y'all, I am proud to call him my friend, our brother up north, Mr. Travis O'Shea. What's going on, Travis? <laughs> Not too much. Just stayed alive. <laughs> hey, man. And, and you have been traveling like crazy lately, um, doing the <laughs> – Yeah. You were down at the World Calling Championships, right? Yeah. Yeah. We went to uh, Blue Sky, Blue uh, Big Sky Big in Sky. Montana there. Montana. And, uh, yeah, that – I gotta tell you guys that Montana is impressive. Like I was like, the first part of it you drive through is a little flat and boring, and then you get into the, to the along the Missouri River. Oh man, it just my mouth was just water, and I'm going, why the heck am I not down here? <laughs> it's hey, awesome. Hey, you can always take a move, man. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Exactly. You know what's funny? I was playing the Powerball while I was down there, and uh, the first day I played it. The Powerball, the the extra number, whatever they call it, was number nineteen. Yeah, yeah. And I got I got number nineteen. So I went with my little lottery ticket thing. Man, I wonder what I won. I won twelve bucks. <laughs> hey. So I so I put it towards another fifteen packet tickets. <laughs> uh-huh. And did you win anything with those? Nothing. Oh man, you... <laughs> nothing. You could have left a winner. I know. I know. <laughs> I tell so you, I. My wife checked it when I got back from Montana because I was back in Canada already. She says, well, if we win, we're jumping right back in the truck and we're going back there. I'm like, absolutely we are. <laughs> well, yeah. for, for everybody listening that doesn't know, um, you know, we don't have Gilbert with us tonight. We don't have RC with us tonight. Um, but that is going to be our crew that is going to be joining Travis and his crew um, up in Canada for Elk and Moose. Here at man coming up soon, huh, bro? Yeah, under two months. Wait, yeah, we might even have the mafia released from witness protection <laughs> by then. I hope so. <laughs> it'll be uh, it'll be a, a, a tricky. Um, what do you call that? A tricky escape. A tricky one. Huh? A tricky. Yeah. Send that helicopter down there. Yeah. <laughs> well, usually. Usually those two guys are in witness protection together, um, where Manano's out. And Manano didn't want me to say, and, and, and look, Manano, I promise you, man, I am not going to tell him that you're eating all his cookies. So I'm going to keep that <laughs> secret. <laughs> I'm going to keep that secret. <laughs> so the deal was, Luis, Luis got some, uh, some chocolate cookies. So I, I found them. Um, I'm here in the yeah in the RV, so uh, I found some chocolate cookies. I know it was him, that's okay. So I gave you permission to stay in my RV. You can, you yeah. Can. That 
That's BS. <laughs> uh, by the way, I'm drinking your your scotch as well. <laughs> I found that too. He's eating his cookies and drinking his scotch. There's a combination for you, man. I love that. Not that's very a, many good hiding pretty... spots there at the RV. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's, called, that's called the Gratoron diet, right there, man. <laughs> scotch. scotch and cookies. Yeah. Oh yeah. So well, yeah. Uh, we are like really anticipating getting up there, Trav, man. And, um, you guys had those huge fires. Um, but then you got hit with a lot of rain too, right? Yeah. It's still raining. It's, it's finally starting to calm down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, the fires, there's no smoke or nothing. So I think pretty sure most of the fires must be almost out or, or are out. And then we got hammered with the rain. Our rivers came up from, you know, being nice and clear to, like running real nice for the river boats and stuff. And they were literally like our banks on the rivers there. Some of the banks are 10, 12 feet up and it's straight up and down. And for 200 yards across the big rivers, that water level was at the top of those banks. Wow. wow. Just just running like crazy. Yep. Yeah. We had some of that here. We haven't had some rain in a while now, but you know what? The reason I bring that up is, man, like we said, you had the fires that came through. Now you've been getting all the rains. You should yep. be some green happening there, right? Oh, yeah. It's green. It's lush. I mean, it's thick. The mosquitoes are thick. There's little and, mosquitoes. There's giant mosquitoes. And, and uh, bunch of uh, grizzly bears. And there's lots of grizzly bears, which I'm finding. I don't, I don't do grizzly bears. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> we don't, we well, don't have grizzly bears in Venezuela. You'll just have to like tuck in behind Louise, and then if we see like kick him in the knee, you can get out of there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's my my plan A. So you know what, uh, I gotta pl- I gotta I gotta have a plan B. Make sure you don't have one of those chocolate chip cookies in your hand. <laughs> <laughs> They'll take you up for sure. That's dessert, and then the meal. <laughs> yeah. yeah that, that, that's, that's Louise's um bear plan. Is Monado. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't need I don't need to run faster than him. Not no. the bear, I mean. I just need to be faster than Monano. That's easy you if I just shoot him in the leg. That's right, yeah. As long as <laughs> long as you go in the right direction, you got her made. <laughs> yeah. So Trav, um I'm real excited about having you on this show tonight. You know, we've already had Tony Gilbertson um, we had Jermaine on, on the show, um, doing the first two Geminars. And I'm real excited about you because I think, bud, you're an incredible teacher as well. And that's one reason you're on our success squad that, um, I think you bring a, uh, it's so cool because everybody has had their flavor, you know, that we've had. Tony has his flavor. Jermaine has his intense flavor, you know? Yeah. And, and you're such a good teacher, the way you do things. And I think that, you know, all those guys do seminars all the time, but yeah. um, it's just a different mode in how people do it, right? And, yeah. And I'm actually going to try to tap things from you a little. There's going to be some stuff that, yeah, it's kind of along the same lines. And when people are hearing the same thing, look, it's elk hunting, right? Yeah. So there's some things that just are elk hunting. But what I've really been tried, trying to do in the show is – kind of reach deeper as to what we're doing because we take too much for granted. And for yeah. people that are listening, 
you know, they hear, okay, yeah, well, I do cow calls. Well, what cow calls are you doing? Why are you doing mm-hmm. them? Are you doing them? How are you practicing? What sound are you looking for? Mm-hmm. You know, what is your emphasis? What's your goal? So, you know, uh, forgive me. I'm just giving you a heads up that as we start going through this, that we're going to try tapping some of that because we want people from every skill level to get it, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. totally. And yeah, and the, and there's stuff there for every level, and it's, and that's the great thing about elk hunting. Not everybody does it the same. You know, there's that main path that you can take, right. but there's so many, there's so many branch off points that uh, mm-hmm. it's open to. You know, every one of us can do something different, and you still. My have nano's going backwards on that path. I think <laughs> well, we got it. I gotta, I gotta tell you this, Luis. Uh, I. I'm pretty honest. I believe I'm uh, I'm un- uncoachable, uh, but <laughs> Travis, yeah, Travis is has been helping me a lot. So he's he's a he's a masterpiece coaching people as Joe's in the, in uh, in chaff. So thank you, Travis. Thank you well, for all the help. Well, and every one of our crew has now. Uh, they now have in hand, they have the Elk Bro soloist. Manano has that soloist. Um, we're expecting everybody to be doing some really cool things. Uh, it's so, man, I tell you, we, we sold out on these boogers, um, our first set. <laughs> and that's and, awesome. In like two days. And, uh, and I'm actually going to get our big shipment a little earlier than I thought. So I'm pretty hopeful right at August 1st, we have our big shipment in. And we're still getting all these back orders and stuff like that. And that's really great, man. I want people to get them and get them before they're sold out for the season. And, uh, and it, and you, you had me call you the other day and go, Travis, more sugars, <laughs> more grinders, man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Keep them coming, he says. <laughs> yeah. It's been awesome. And I tell you what, the feedback that we're getting, people yeah. love. You know, we had great feedback, and people love the grinder. They just keep getting all the repeat orders. But the sugar, you know, people are just really yeah. sweet on the sugar. And uh, you know, if they haven't seen our, if they haven't seen our signature calls, this is what our signature calls look like, um, day and night, black and white. Um, both yeah. that New Mexico turquoise blue in there. So we have uh, both of those. Um, you got yeah. your sugar. And you got your finisher, and that man right there produces them and does an incredible job. So, All right. and I got them right here. <laughs> yeah. So what we're going to yeah. do? We're going to start rocking into this, um, just so that we can get moving on. And Tab, let's go over to the Elk Bros mailbox. Okay, we have a letter here from Ken Rice. Uh, I'm not sure where he's from, and he says, "I discovered your podcast two months ago." And I have been addicted. I started from the beginning, number one, and I'm listening to each show, usually at the gym or on hikes. So my questions, and he has two. The first one is, I understand cows will go where the best feed is, and during the rut, that is where the bulls will most likely be. Is it correct to assume that cows will give birth also where the best feed is located? And could, would those two locations be the same place in the mountain? I seem to struggle finding elk and hoping understanding feeding behavior will improve my odds. 
So basically the question is, is that they know cows are going to go where the best feed is. And during the rut, that that is where the bulls will most likely be. So that sounds a little, so they're not saying that the bulls are going to be where the best feed is. It's going to be that the cows are going to be the best, where the best feed is. And the bulls are going to be where the cows are. And then he says, is it correct to assume that cows will give birth also where the best feed is located? And could those two locations be the same place on the mountain? So from when they're dropping to when they're going to the rut, right? And so the answer is yes, yes, and maybe. It just depends because all the different terrains and different types of weather conditions, if you have a resident herd, um, it's very possible, and, and it's absolutely true. Those cows want to be um, where the best place is for feed, where they can have those calves. Um, in fact, that is one of the things that plays to the disadvantage in that predators also know this, and you're going to have, like in those areas where they have the best grasses and stuff, you're going to have bears that are going to be running ridges, you know, you're going to, that are just waiting for um, those calves to be born and once those calves are born and they and they catch any scent then they will actually grid search some of those grassy areas looking for those calves so it's um nature is harsh in that sense but to to stay on on the question um it can absolutely be the same place depending on that area um pressure that's happening what happens with weather but if it's a place where they, that they continue to have good grass because when they drop those calves, when they're dropping those, like you saw your calves dropped in your area. When was that happening for you guys, Travis? Um, it's it was it was right around the first of June usually. Right. Yeah, it's they're 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 getting pretty big already, so they're they're fast now. They can run. In fact, like little calves right now at yep. this stage that they're at. I believe they can outrun their mother. Like that's how fast they are. Oh, and wow. then the cow can defend the young, you know, like if a, if a bear is after it or something like that. Right. But at the first stage when they're first dropped, they're just sent free. And that's why you're saying they, the bears grid, grid check looking for them. Yep. Cause they can't smell them. They're, they're oh. literally in the grass just laying there in a ball and they don't move. But right. you know, they're, they're yeah. in, you know, the moms, you know, keep them clean. They're, they're sent free. Um, they yeah. actually get away from them. And when a predator shows up, the first time I ever had this happen to me, um, I actually came around an area and saw a, I came around, there was a cow standing there 15 yards away from me. And I'm looking at the cow and I'm looking, oh man, what the heck is wrong with that cow's rear end? And I look and there's actually two hooves that, and the cow is standing up. And there's two hooves sticking out of, you know, the cow oh. as she's giving birth. She was giving right? birth. Yes. Yeah. And so I sat there, I'm actually standing there, and the cow hadn't seen me. And I'm watching, actually watching how this cow is kind of laboring, but standing yeah. at that point to give birth, right? And my goal was to get out of the area without startling and causing it to be a problem for that cow giving birth. So I back out. Well, I'm coming through that area pretty close to it the next day and i don't know if it was the same cow or a different one but when i came through 
there's a cow that starts actually kind of running in front of me and urinating as she's going and and not running in a in a way that I I said there's no way I could get to this cow, right? It was like trying to pull me out of the area with the scent and with its movement and when that happened and the way it happened I went, "Whoa, this is not not normal." And I kind of start looking around right where I'm at there, and sure enough, there's the calf laying uh, in some, you know, in some green um, area down there. It was actually like some ground juniper that calf was in that, and the and then the mama just stayed off, really, you know, not running all the way away, wanting me to continue going after. She was decoying me out, basically. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah that's one of their defense <clears throat> mechanisms, but. Back to the to the question, those cows absolutely want to be where it's easiest for their calves, where they have great food, right? Especially when that birthing is happening. When that's happening yeah. in June, throughout that month, some of them are going to still drop in July. There's going to be stretches. The goal is yeah. for those cows to all drop as close as possible, Um nature's goal is for it to happen as close as possible because it helps just by mass numbers for some of those to survive from the predators. Whereas yeah. when they continue to string out the births, then it makes it easier for those predators in the percentages to get, you know, to get to those caps. Right. So now let's take a look during the rut. Those cows still want to be where the best feed areas are at that time. And the question is, could it be the same place? In some places, yes. And it could be a large area of there that if it stayed real good and moist, it continued to have good grass, the graze was there, didn't get chewed down, they're not going to eat themselves out of house and home. If so, they'll move to a, you know, another spot within that area to be able to have good grass. And they've got to keep it fairly easy for their calves as well at that point. And yes, that's going to attract the bulls. Find the cows. With the best feed, you're going to find the bulls. And if you find a resident herd in in June that's in there, I would not be looking too far if there's not, you know, if there's not good, you know, if there is good grass in those areas near that, I would be checking those as well. Because sometimes they, especially if there's water, they have their north facing. If they have all the things that they need for security, for food, and for water, mm -hmm. they don't have to go very far. Now, what are you finding, Trav, in your area? Well, so our areas are basically, for lack of better terms, they're stuck there. I mean, we have the different hills and the river systems and all that. I mean, they can't just go to another mountain range and, and get away. <clears throat> so what I, I've always said, like, if you find cows in the spring where they're dropping babies, in that exact same spot come fall time, you're going to see the bulls are there, the cows are there, the calves are there, the bulls are going to be making rubs. Um, it's just, they say it's that natural area where there's all the food. Well, for one thing, when the cows are dropping their calves, those little guys are hungry. Yep. So for mom, she's got to be eating all the good stuff, and she wants the best stuff to to get the nutrition in her body so that she has the best, you know, milk and stuff for the calf. I mean... Absolutely. She succeeds, the calf succeeds. And that's why they're going to be on those, like for here, it's going to be all on the nice lush, uh, pipelines, um, along the, 
along any of the roads that have like the clover, like all our oil lease roads and all that, they'll they'll plant clover and stuff all along there and like the food is just so lush and green but that's what they need unfortunately the bears do follow them and that's what happened to me yesterday when i put the trail camera out <clears throat> in in the middle of the bush i'm talking there's trails that are this wide and that deep just black already and you know it's just cow after cow after cow going through there well that's why they're there because they're they're dropping their babies they're in the thick bush, but they yeah. got a pipeline out to the side where they're feeding on. And lo and, lo and behold to me, I walked out, and sure enough, I walked into a grizzly bear that was coming my way as I was heading out. And uh, that's what the bear's doing. You know, he was just kind of sauntering along the the, the pipeline there. And uh, I'm sure he was looking for calf elk or baby elk, or maybe he came from just eating something back in the bush. Who knows, right? And he was just checking that area out so i i I believe they're looking for for a herd to stay healthy about 25 percent survival rate in that area you know and yeah yeah i could i could see that that actually lines up with some of the numbers i would see here actually as well like we don't see the big herds of 100 and 200 like what some of the guys see in some of the state uh but you know if we see like right now, we would see four to ten together in my areas, right. and then you get down in southern Alberta, you'll, they'll be like twenty or thirty together. Right. Um, it just depends where you go. It's a lot more open country down in southern Alberta. Here, it's pretty thick, so you have different different herds. They could be two hundred yards apart, but this herd will have six. The next herd, a couple hundred yards away, will have eight. The next one will have four. And they're just all spread out like that. And I think that's how the numbers survive. Like that 25% seems pretty close. Yeah. So, Can Man, you've heard us say it so many times, elk are slaves to their belly. Yes, find, you know, that feeding behavior, where they're staying. And, yes, it can be the same areas. It, again, it just depends on terrain. You know, when you have some of these high mountain um, states that, have heavy snowfalls and those animals end up following the snow lines a lot more or they get forced down in their winter range and they've been pounding that winter range well they have to migrate in order to get to a little bit better grass and it's going to be as that snow melts and moves it's going to produce that better grass and going to stay on those snow lines and the bears are going to do the same thing they're going to stay on those snow lines as well so yeah um i hope that helped you out with that that part of the question chad what's number two Okay, uh, the second part says, I've heard the elk bros mention that elk can bugle soon after an ATV is shut off or a car door is slammed. Can you please comment on elk vocalization either during or after the muzzleloader season? I've I've been archery hunting during and after muzzleloader, and it seems to take three or five days after the season before they vocalize again. Granted, this could have been isolated incidents. Certainly, gunshot pressure is different than any ATV, but muzzle loader shots are not that frequent. You know, I've seen phases where the elk have gone quiet, and I think that's more about the pressure than it is about the gunshots. I mean, there are going to be people that argue that with me, that they hear a gunshot and they're gone, but I've been in too many places. I've been on ranches where, you know, during rifle muzzle loader season, those critters don't shut up. 
you know they might mm-hmm. uh they might end up in a little bit different area when they're there you now you pressure them and you get in on them all the time yes i've kind of seen where that can have an effect but i really think that you just have to be where those elk have moved to and where they are still breeding and they are still rutting. And a lot of that action sometimes is happening at night. They might become more nocturnal about it. And so they're just not bugling at the time when or the place that you think you should be trying to get a response. So I I, I don't necessarily think that it's the muzzle loaders themselves going off as much as it is all of the activity. I, I would agree with that, Joe. I would say... It's more of the timing of the rut. Like, we go through it, through bow season, we see the same thing. You'll have all of a sudden, some cows will come into estrus. Right. Boom, the bugling's just going nuts. And then you have that low for four or five days. And then boom, some more cows come in and bugling, they just go nuts. And I think it's just a matter of, that's probably what they're seeing. Um, I know here in Alberta, I've been with guys, we've shot elk in the middle of the bush and they've been bugling. Two minutes after they hear the gunshot, the, there's there's another bull bugling over right. there, and it's like they they could care less. I don't think they have the ability to to reason. Okay, that was a gunshot. Maybe we should run away, or there's you know there's something chasing us. I don't think they can reason that way. I mean, if they hear gunshot after gunshot after gunshot, they may move or you know go a couple clicks over or something to the next right. drainage or whatever, but. I honestly just think it's more about the, the phases of the cows and, and if they're coming in dexterous or not. If a cow and comes in heat, those bulls are going to scream. Yeah, and I'm assuming that their muzzleloader season, it's probably like our rifle season. Our rifle season is September 17th on, so it's getting later. You, I mean, you're hitting the main part of the rut, but then you're getting later in the rut when things are kind of calming down that's when you're really going to see those lulls, you know, the first week of October, it might be pretty quiet and then boom, all of a sudden they, they fire up again, but it's going to be shorter, you know, a shorter little rut. And then it's quiet again, then boom, you might get two or three more days and then quiet again. Um, so I, I think the better the conditions, the healthier the cows, the more apt that they are, to come in estrus as a group, you know, um, rather than being spread out. And and that's what I was talking about before with the cows, you know, dropping. You know, if, if the whole idea is you're hoping that the bulls are efficient and breeding those cows pretty much at the same time when they come in estrus, and that's going to come in different waves. And if they do that, those cows, when they come in estrus, if they're not bred, well, you're looking at about another – 20 days approximately mm-hmm. before they pop in again. So yeah, you're not going to have a lot of rut activity in between there, except for those younger cows that are popping in at different times that are going to cause a rut to happen at any time, any place. Um, yeah. So when, when those are happening, there can be lulls in there and it just kind of depends. You know, we, we go by a calendar and we think the elk are going by our calendar. They're not. They're going by their phase. They're going by what's happening according to the, the solstice. Um, and, you know, and according to what the conditions are, are for them. I've seen too many times during muzzle loaders with muzzle loaders going off that elk are going nuts. So, 
I don't really think it's that as much as like you said, you know, Travis, like what we're talking about as much yeah. as your cycle and, and that happening. Yeah, no, for sure. And as far as the, the car doors slamming or people chopping firewood or parking your ATV, I mean, dang, I see it firsthand last year, me and a buddy, we pulled in, we parked the quad and boom, there was a bull coming and he was screaming and totally caught me and Jason off guard. Like this thing was coming. So we, we ended up scaring him away because it was still too dark and it was not legal shooting time. And he was literally 15 feet breathing down our necks. And we're like, Oh crap. <laughs> so Chad, remember when we got lost one time? Which time? <laughs> That's easy, Joel. That's that time. Easy. So we were, we were the time we were driving in late at night in the middle of all that thick stuff, and then we were trying to find where we got off the incorrect road, got out, slammed the truck. Oh yeah, I remember that one. Yeah, slammed the truck and uh, oh, a bull answered <laughs> and close yeah. by. Yeah, he, he couldn't have been fifty yards away. Yeah, yeah, he was close. Yeah. Yeah, slammed the truck door and he screamed because it was just, you know, it was prime rut. He's worked up at night, all that rut activities going on. And he hears that. First of all, he hears the truck going through that stuff. Yeah, stretching. <laughs> Making all that noise. You get out and you slam the door and he's like, he thinks there's another bull in his area and just screams at us. It's, yeah. It yeah. Perfect timing. Yeah. Yeah. All right, man. We're going to uh, go from there. And Luis, you know what time it is. Shout it's out. time for Elbro's shout out. Shout out. If you're not shout doing shout time, shout this out. This is shout out to our followers <laughs> in a few cities with the most listeners topping our charts this week. Yeah, you know Gilbert's going to be going. What the heck, Luis? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be like, I'm sorry, Gilbert you missed a podcast. Yeah, we miss him. We miss him. No, 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 he's he's been bragging about never missing a podcast. Well, guess what? I said, well, he's sorry, doing Gilbert. In, he's doing the intro tomorrow, so he, he's he still missed it. I'm sorry. Gone <laughs> missing no. it, you know. So, so Tough crowd. <laughs> Before we jump into our top listener cities, um, just a reminder for those folks out there that leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or give us a comment on the YouTube channel. And, and this is important, you have to include your name, where you are from. On our next Gemini show that we have here, we're going to be placing their names on our Elk Bro Spin a Winner Wheel, and we're going to be spinning to see who will win one of our new Elk Bro Soloist Tubes. So on our next show, somebody's going to win one of these, man. So that's pretty (laughs) exciting. That's awesome. Spin a Winner. Yep, Spin a Winner Wheel. This week's top listening city is actually a township community that is nine miles from the center of Philly and is home to several historical sites. But it is best known as the 1948 birthplace of, and guys, if you don't recognize what that looks like um, with that yellow and and wrapped blue on the end of it, it is yep. the birthplace of swell bubblegum. <laughs> swell bubblegum. You know that dusty taste when you first get yeah. there? <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's that sugar dust that you get on it. I don't mean dust as in dirt. It's like that sugar yeah. dust when you put it in your mouth. And, ha, ha, yeah. Um, 
It was a major manufacturing center of Civil War textiles and the production center for gunpowder during the War of 1812. And this is Haverton, Pennsylvania. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> so that's Next- good. That's gunpowder that you're tasting, Joe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> On the outside of the gun. <laughs> well, hey, you know, it, it fits. I mean, you're <laughs> blowing something up, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. My daughter's rolling her eyes over there already. I guarantee uh, Oh, yeah. Please. <laughs> so, yes, this next top listening town emerged at the junction of four separate railroads. Currently, 36 trains a day travel through this town daily. Um, that's a redundancy. Uh, it is the home <laughs> to Global Foundry's Burlington Design Center, formerly IBM. And this semiconductor manufacturing company is Vermont's, Vermont's largest employer with nearly 3,000 employees. And none other than Essex Junction. Essex Junction. Vermont. 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 We've just gone from Pennsylvania to Vermont, man. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. 36 trains a day daily. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's so funny that you were talking about grammar, though, bro. I thought that was like, I heard that's redundant. Okay. You said karma, karma is up. I got a leash. Now. We have, we have a leash. <laughs> <leash. laughs> up next, this city's name is Latin for body of Christ. And is a coastal city in, in South Texas. In 1990, 1919, sorry, the fourth deadliest hurricane in U.S. history devastated the city, killing 800,000 wow. residents. And wow. only three structures survived. Consistent high winds make this town a windsurfing and windsailing destination. It recently hosted the World's Windsurfing Championship. This is Corpus Christi, Texas. Corpus Christi, Texas. My God, Joe, I thought you were never going to finish. How much are you going to have to speed that one up? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. It, it's usually 120%, bro. Right. 135. So. Yeah. 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 Right. Now, <laughs> now, you, now you can feel the pain coming, right? You see, you see that, that? That's why I'm... That's why I'm like, you know, like who I am. So my wife was just recently, in fact, yeah. my wife and Chad's wife, they were down there in Corpus Christi, man, just beautiful place down there, you know. And and you can see why if a hurricane hit that thing head on. I mean, it's basically a protective, you know, coastline there. So um, the, the King Ranch is right next to it, man. And oh, it's really? only three hours away from from here from Katy. Oh really? Wow! Wow! How often do you go down to Corpus Christi, or do you? I've been I've been to Corpus probably three or four times. And and what do you think of it? Yeah, it, it's really nice. As a matter of fact, me and my wife we were um, talking about potentially just going down there to to the beach uh, with the girls here in the summer. Oh, so, awesome! And they've got they've got a, a, a huge. Um, it's a navy. I believe it's a Navy ship there that, uh, it's kind of docked to where like they do tours. It's like a museum. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, I heard through the grapevine that that's probably the only place in Texas that Gilbert hasn't been. Really? 
Ai, que artista. Ok, this is the final town. Uh, this town emerged after the consolidation of two small towns and is a destination for outdoor enthusiasts. It is home to the greatest hiking and biking trail system in the southwest with beginner, intermediate, and advanced trails located in the incredible White Mountains of Arizona. It is a popular outdoor destination with numerous attractions for hiking, biking, horseback riding, fishing, golfing, hunting, camping, viewing wildlife, and much more. This is in Pine Top Lakeside, Arizona. Pine Top Lakeside, Arizona, man. They just listed everything. They were yeah. like... Yeah, but <laughs> the, 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 the much more must be the restaurants and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Come to Pine Top, man. You can do it all, man. But let me tell you, if you guys have not heard about the White Mountains, some of the most incredible elk hunting country you'll ever come across. Yeah, it's a, it's a big elk country. All right, here we go. We're gonna rock and roll, man. Main our, content. This is um our Elk Bros calling Geminar series and what we're looking for like we talked about here at the beginning is we always tell you to practice your calling instead of us just telling you to practice without giving you instruction on how to do that the goal of this series has been to change that and Travis I'm man I'm gonna jump in it right away man because as my family says we're a bunch of Italians man let's skip the pasta and get straight to the sauce bud (laughs) yeah Yummy. (laughs) (laughs) So what I'm going to do is I'm going to start out. I'm going to kind of follow it up after this with something. And all the guys have questions for you. And we're going to try to hit this and we'll we'll hit the rabbit holes as we do it. But I just want to say, what are your basic principles or thoughts that play into your calling practice approach and goals? All right. Like what are some of those goals and then how do you approach those? Yeah. So how I kind of think along that lines is you guys know how I am. I'm kind of, I'm a perfectionist. So when I'm getting into that kind of calling and, and thinking about stuff, I'm kind of thinking kind of outside the box a little bit. You know, most guys are working on their bugles and, you know, location bugles and lip balls and trying to learn that kind of stuff. Me, I'm kind of the other way. I like the little low tone stuff. So I'm practicing the growls in your tube, like just grab your tube without a read and just, you know, just, I hate to say it, but you have to practice that stuff. And when you start throwing that kind of stuff into raking the trees and moaning and groaning, that's what really calls the bulls in. So for me, it's all about that off-key stuff, you know. Um, I like to be the perfectionist with the cow calls and hitting the notes perfect with the bugles. But it's the other stuff that people aren't doing that's really calling in the bulls. And that, that's kind of what I focus on. And it's I, I really try to keep it that simple. Like there's no magic formula to it at all. Just practice those sounds and it sounds funny like moaning and groaning into your tube like we're doing mm-hmm. but if you just all of a sudden grab your tube and it's opening day of archery season and you go out there you're not going to sound very good like it takes a certain it it takes a certain skill to learn the moaning and groaning 
and then to follow it up with some chuckles. You know, it's like you're stringing, stringing along like a calling sequence. So if I take like the sugar. Now, like that, when you did that though, you put a bunch of different skill sets into that, mm-hmm. right? So, yeah. and, and, and this is where I'm talking about the breakdown for that. Because when you do it, it just comes natural for you to do it. It comes natural for, you know, for me to do yeah. it. But yeah. if, if we're trying to get somebody how to practice that and, and understand it, first of all, I want to hang on to that because you mentioned, you mentioned raking. And yeah. what I see is a lot of people really don't understand raking as well. So True. what I, what I want to tell people is, is I want you to find a video, go to YouTube and put a video of bull raking a tree. Okay. Yeah. And then I want you to watch that bull, how that bull rakes, how he, how he goes down, how he'll, work it or how he'll thrash but a lot yeah. of times he'll just take and he'll get to where he puts his horns on the side of something and just rubs up and down sometimes he gets his daggers into it and scrapes it look at it and think about that when you're raking try to make those same length of scrapes try to make the same ones on the side of the trees with the point yeah. inside of it and then actually going up into loose branches up there like they do. They'll just get up there and just rattle all of that with their horns. So yeah. I think the observation thing is what I'm trying to get to, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It helps you I think um, it helps you uh get in character. I think you kinda have to get in character as yes. you're playing yeah. it as you're doing a scenario. Like in your in your head, you have to kind of imagine that you're the elk, and and you're acting and you're what doing. What does that look like? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. What does that look like? And yeah. and and yeah, it, it, I agree. I mean, what does that look like? What does that sound like? Not only on the sound that you're making, but also, are you stomping the ground? Are you you know you know yeah. crashing a, a tree like you said? But it's just. It's it's funny because it's like you're impersonating an elk while while you're doing. That's exactly what you're doing, but exactly. it just feels like more real when you're acting like one. Yes. Yeah. So when you talk about raking, I believe there's like two different aspects of the raking. There's that gentle raking where they're just raking nice and gentle. It's almost like they're feeling through their antler tips every single branch. And if you notice what he's doing, He'll, he'll smell it. Like if, if this was a branch, he'll rake on it and then he'll, he'll run his nose up along it and he's smelling it and you'll actually even see them. They'll lick it and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like it, he's putting his, his eye glands on that tree. Like he's, he's mixing his smell Has on his that rub. Has gotten on it, right? Exactly. Yep. The, the Elka, you know, we killed in Colorado. Um, the antlers smelled really, really good. Um, the bark off the trees was kind of, it created a coat around the antlers. And, uh, the smell was just, you know, like sweet, you know, from, yeah. from the, 
Um, it's kind of like a honey that comes out of the trees. I don't know what the sap. Name. It's yeah. A sap. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I don't know if, if that's part of why they do that too, just to kind of get that scent into their antlers or to get the antler scent into the tree. Well, yeah. A lot of that depends on the type of trees in the area, you know, and you can yeah. tell a lot of times, um, by the color of what's happening on an elk's yeah. antlers, whether or not they have oak brush in the area, whether or not they have fineness Pine sap that's yeah. mixing with dirt on the ground and they get yeah. blacker, or if it's just aspen or light bark type stuff and their, and their antlers stay lighter, you know, because yeah. of that, right? Um, yeah. But the whole idea is like Travis has said, it's just like dogs when they're going and urinating on a bush. They want to leave that scent there, man. Yeah. So it, it, it's a signpost for the other bulls in the area. Hey, look, this is my area, guys. Like these are my ladies. You guys take off, take a hike, go a mile over. That's your area over there. But then, so that's the easy, nice, gentle, gentle raking where they're not really doing anything. And then you get them where they're worked up. And their aggression level is way up here. Now all they want to do is they want they want to fight that tree. And the more that those branches bend back on them and and give them you know attitude, I guess. They're yeah, resistance. Yeah. They're breaking it. They're getting nasty. Like they'll take that whole big tree and just snap it off in the end. Like there's just a broken off shaft left. They're, they're urinating and, at the same time. They're pawing. Yeah. You know? Yep. Yep. Exactly. Yep. So that to me is a different kind of raking. That's a more of a showing would off to the ladies. Be, would that kind of be equal to, you know, a guy just frustrated and then just, you know, having a, a sandbag to kind of punch and release some of that anger or something like that? Well, it's more of a chest pounding display type mm-hmm. thing. Okay. Or, you know, yeah. For other bulls in the area, but also for the cows that are there because yeah. a bull is trying to always display to those cows that he is the man. He is the one that they want to breed with because it's the cows that pick. So if that cow thinks that there's another bull in the area that's sounding off, then that bull yeah. is displaying and, and demonstrating to them and trying to encourage them to stay this with him. stronger. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. So that all kind of goes together. I mean, um, that's the whole start. Like, that's the easiest thing you can learn is the raking. You know, keep it pretty gentle. Even when I'm doing like a, when I go in and I do a little sequence where I'm portraying just a bull kind of feeling his oats or something, or even like a breeding sequence, something like that, my raking starts off really slow and nonchalant, and then you kind of work it up a little bit more and, and get more aggressive with it. Uh, and then that's when you start like throwing those calls in. And I know Joe, you were kind of wondering at the start, like, where do you start? Like, how do we, how do we teach the guys how to learn those different sounds? Right. And I think it's just honestly, um, honestly, what I can say is to all these guys that are listening, when you get out in the elk bush, play with these sounds and, you know, do a little scenario and like, just pretend you're you're a bull that's feeling his oats and and you know throw in some moans and chuckles, but before you get there, you want to practice all that stuff before you get out there. But then when you do get out in the bush, don't be scared to try it. Like you're not going to scare elk away. 
and it, you don't have to sound good about it. You don't have to put the right calls in the right spot. It doesn't really matter. As long as you rake, do some moaning, do some chuckling, do some moaning. Just put those sounds together. There's no right or wrong way to do it. And it's just, you're going to learn so much. And your whole calling career from there is going to go from just being, oh, I'm going to walk around and do a cow call or a location beagle. You know, that's pretty boring stuff, and everybody's doing it. So if you kind of make yourself different and do some different things, like, honestly, my first opening morning of the season, I'm hardly bugling at all. I'm raking, I'm moaning and groaning, I'm chuckling. That's reverse what most guys do. Opening Mm -hmm. season, 99% of the guys go in, and the first sound out of their mouth, or, or a location bugle. Yeah, location bugle or cow sounds. 99% of the time it's going to be the cow sounds that are just... They're just throwing those out, right? Me, I'm, I'm thinking exactly 100% reversal. I want to be the bull because I want to be advertising that I'm a bull that has cows... So anything in that whole area where I'm hunting, those bulls are all searching for cows at that time. So basically, I want to be the bull with the cows that the other bulls are coming looking for. So like is at this, that time, I'm... Travis, is this... I mean, this strategy would depend on the season, though, right? I mean, Whether, yeah. Would, would that be something that you would do on an early season or not? Because uh, that... Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Because even come like August 20th, August 25th, when we're going to be out there, opening morning, uh-huh. there's a cow waiting to be bred. So if I'm a bull that has that cow, if you're a bull, you're going to hear it, and you're going to be, hey, I'm going to take Travis's cow. She's ready to be bred. I'm on her right now. So instead of having cows and calves coming over to you if you're just cow calling or calf calling, now you're actually bringing the bulls over that you have an opportunity to shoot. And here it's three-point or bigger. So as long as you call in a three-point or a four-point, a five-point, and don't don't let the early season fool you because that's when a lot of guys shoot the biggest bulls of the year because those bulls are traveling. They're looking for cows. They're gathering their herds up. That's the whole thing. If you can portray that bull, man, it's just it's money. So we've gotten more into strategy here. And, yeah. And which is great. I, I want people to hear this because I love, I love the strategy conversation because even when you're talking about that, I, I've always told people that when we're looking at first early season, that a lot of people, they say they don't use cow calls. And what I try to tell people is, is just because I'm using a mew doesn't mean it's a cow mew. You can actually do a little flatter, more even tone mew that's more like a bull mew. Or you can yep. get it through the tube to have that bull tone. Because that, that bull mew is not the, yeah, it's not that. It's just, ee, ee, ee. yeah, it's kind of, it's like this flat tone more of than what those cows do. Or if you give it with a little bit deeper in here. And, and so what Travis is talking about early season, bulls really, unless they hear another bull that has a cow that, then they're really not that interested unless they hear that. They need a trigger for that testosterone. Yeah. 
They need to trigger yeah. a reason they want to go look. But they also are very interested in other bulls in the area. So it's a win-win when you do bull sounds or mews that could be like another bull. And then if you end up with something that you're going to change that, like I have done just the opposite of what Travis is saying. I've gone in with a cow mew and had a bull really react early season screaming back. Now, I never gave a, 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 a bugle or a location bugle. That bull did it first, saying, I'm here, over here, let's do this. Yeah. Introduced, you know, gave that cow back, let him, and he sounds really worked up. Now I know that we're working with a different bull, what he thinks, what's going on, and we deal with that. So that's things that can happen. There can be a cow in estrus in the area that can make things light, yeah. like what you're saying. Or you be that, yeah. right? Okay? Yeah. So, but what I want to do is, what, I, what I'm going to do is I want to step back from our strategy, and, and we're going to hit more of this because I really think yep. that a big part of practicing is practicing scrimmage drills or situational practice, right? Yeah. So we're going yeah. to talk about that. But when, Travis, what I want to do is we're going to go back. And the first thing I want to do is tell people, okay, when you're hearing moaning, when you're hearing the groans or the huffs and different things like that, yeah. Here's what you got to think about is the attraction of that to other bulls is that they hear a bull that is frustrated. Okay. What I call love straighted. All right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. When you start getting those, those, oh, it's that yearning, moaning, frustrated yes. type sound. Okay? Yeah. All right. So yeah. what I want to do is I want to go back and I want to kind of, Break this down a little bit. You already mentioned being able to use voice and, you know, where you get those different types there, right? Yeah. Yeah. Now, what you were doing though is you were yeah. adding some diaphragm sounds, some light diaphragm sounds. Mm -hmm. First of all, give us that diaphragm sound. So when I'm doing these sounds, I'm always picking like a really light calf reed or a cow reed, something that the latex is like really super, super soft. Right. You know, cause that's, you're not like hammering on this thing. You're not doing anything special. Most of it's like, I would say 90% of it, 85, 90% is your voice coming out. And then my tongue is just barely putting some pressure on it. So let's I, keep just the voice that. out of it. Keep the voice out of it. Okay. You do it. Okay. Keep going. Explain. Go ahead and explain. Okay. And then, and then basically that other 10% is just a light little kind of sound on the reed so it'd be so he's breaking That's it down if, if you're yeah. listening, he's breaking it down what he's doing is he's giving you the, the growl with the voice and then yep. he's giving you just the pitch of the of yep. the call, and then he's combining them as to what that would sound like. And it's just exactly like a, it's like a bull that's kind of walking, and he kind of wants to bugle a little bit. He's got frustration going on, and he just yep. yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. So what I would say with that, learning learning the moans and the groans and that kind of stuff. I guess it would be more of an exaggerated cow call that you're just kind of holding it long, like, 
something like that. Because it's very similar. You're just doing the cow or a calf call, cow mew, but you're just exaggerating it and holding it for a longer period that you normally wouldn't. Um, and then you're throwing the voice in. And it's... Grinders tuning in, thank you for listening to the Blue Collar Elk Hunting Podcast. Our goal is to share our knowledge and help you flatten that learning curve so that you too can have some of the very same incredible experiences that have given all of us here at Elk Bros a lifetime of memories. If you like what you hear or see, you can get all of this information plus so much more from our Base Camp Elk Hunting Training Camp, the first in a series of online courses from our Blue Collar Elk Academy. Our Base Camp Training Camp allows me to use my coaching style and share almost 40 years of elk hunting experiences successfully hunting elk on public lands as well as over 20 years guiding hunters of all ages and experience levels. This course will be like nothing you have ever experienced in concept and structure using success-based coaching techniques that will elevate your confidence and skill sets. Our camp will prepare you specifically from that final moment most in your control, those final minutes or seconds the elk is in front of you, backwards through each step and level, allowing you to see, visualize, understand, and relate every coaching point to what lies ahead, the next step, the next thought process, the next success. Because, y'all, you've already been there. You know what it looks like. By tapping my 30 years of teaching and coaching experience, our camps are developed considering multiple learning modes with text, visuals, audio, as well as video. And Base Camp will benefit those new to elk hunting all the way to the 10 to 15 year vet. So if you are looking for that one thing to help you fill that tag this year, invest in the most important piece of equipment there is, you and your elk hunting knowledge. You can find the Blue Collar Elk Hunting Academy and the Base Camp Training Camp at elkbros.com. That's E-L-K-B-R-O-S dot com. Keep dreaming of the screaming, believing and achieving, and most of all, keep grinding. Um, Travis, real quick, you know, again, for somebody that's learning, um, as far as exercises to basically get that muscle memory that 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 tongue pressure memory um would you recommend doing exercises on what you said i think it just clicked with me because i think being able to hold notes um it really helps you identify the different tones on that read and if you're if you're capable of say you give yourself Three pitches, lower, middle, and high pitch. Right. Yeah. And then you 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 make yourself hold the lower lower pitch first, then go to that middle pitch second and hold it, and then go to that third pitch pitch or high pitch and hold it. I think if you're capable of going back and forth between those three purposely, yeah, I think you're getting into something into the ability of control that read a lot better. I don't know if that would help or not, but now that I see you doing that, I'm thinking, man, yeah. that's probably a good way to approach that's your, it. That's your yeah. siren drill that you talk about, right? Exactly. Yeah, and I should back up a step. It's it's different from going from a thicker latex read, which would be the grinder, 
to go right. into a really light latex reed, which would be the sugar. Um, two totally different reeds for totally different um, purposes. Purposes, exactly. And for the beginner caller, anytime you can go with a cow calf reed, hundred percent of the time, even me at a really skilled caller. This is a reed that I'll use 90% of the season, believe it or not, versus grabbing, you know, a thicker latex reed because a thin latex reed is so versatile for making cow sounds, calf sounds, moans, groans, chuckles. And the reason being, it's, it's such thin latex, the sound almost does it for you with very little air pressure. You don't really have to... You don't have to really put anything into it. You can let the reed do all the work for you. Uh, and by light light air pressure, I mean like just a... So you do that on this reed. It doesn't take nothing. You just you just start that vibration and it, it the sound takes over for you. So like Joe was saying, the siren, that's what I teach a lot of people at the start... It's just you, you take the tone, you go up to a high tone, and you bring it back down. So. And you can see there, Louise, if you learn that tone, basically mm-hmm. you're getting your low tone, your medium tone, your high tone back down and just by doing that siren you're combining them all together all at once and you can just literally yeah and then whatever you want your brain is listening to and matching the sound with the tongue pressure and then that's how you get that practice of you know absolutely absolutely so that's right so that's the tip of my tongue i'm using the middle portion of my tongue to the back portion Mm -hmm. And for those of you guys, for those of you guys that are on, um, that are just listening to this, um, on Apple Podcasts or something, if you jump over to YouTube, you can get all these visuals. I just want to throw that out. Okay. Go yeah, ahead. Trump. Absolutely. Yeah, because he's not actually showing us his tongue. Thank God. <laughs> no. Thank you. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I, I'm using my little, my little puppet hand. <laughs> so. So with the reed sitting, you know, middle to three quarters of the way on your tongue towards the back, the tip of your tongue is staying down, and I'm just raising the back portion of my tongue, almost like flexing your your bicep muscle. So I'm using the back part of my arch. And what I'm really doing, if I show you the reed, I'm really pushing on this portion of the reed. Mm -hmm. I'm not pushing my tongue across here at all. In the right. latex, I'm pressing on the frame. So when your tongue is pressing on the frame, the air is still going through properly and vibrating the latex, keeping the sound going. According the to how close or far your tongue is to that latex, yeah. That's right, yeah. The minute your tongue comes up and touches that latex, you can see the vibration stops. So yeah. all your all your sound on this reed is from that latex vibrating from the air pressure yeah. that's between and you get your an tongue. abrupt cut in air coming out because you block that air pathway too when you do that and then you yep. like it's 
it, and it almost pushes your read forward when you do that. And obviously, it's yeah, and, it's yeah. Not good. you can yeah. get you can get a tone with if your tongue is actually touching the latex and you're giving that pressure. That's that high pressure, and why people stretch out their latex yeah. is that yeah. in order to get that sound. Now you have to blow harder to be able to create yeah. that gap between your tongue and that latex, right? So that's right. Yeah. And the minute, and you'll know that, Joe, just by the minute you feel that vibration on your tongue and people say, oh, I can't do that. My tongue tickles. That's <laughs> yeah. as soon, soon as yeah. you get that, automatically that means your read is too far forward like that. You need to take that read, move it back just a quarter inch at a time. And it's still getting it, move it back another quarter inch. And if you're still getting the vibration, move it back a little bit more. You're going to know there's a fine point there. Um, to to reaching that perfect little pitch versus all of a sudden going too far back and you gag and you choke and you spit and then your eyes are watering and, and all hell breaks loose. <laughs> That's yeah. what you don't want, <laughs> you know, because we've all been there before. It's, it's, you know, then you're scared to put the reed back in your mouth. So it's just a matter of playing with a reed, and that's why kids pick up on it so fast. You know, they throw a reed in, and it's in their mouth, and it's literally just going wherever they need it to go, and they're they're blowing air out to get the sound. You know, and they they pick it up in like five minutes. So as as older, you know, we get to be adults, we're not so forgiving, and we don't try different things like little kids do. Um, so we got to find that spot, you know, we're more because we try to outsmart our common sense. Yes, exactly. Yeah, that's <laughs> Over- right. <laughs> Overthink it a little bit. And, and yeah. that's why I tell yeah. people if if you're trying to get that tongue position, just say wish, and yeah, you say wish. It automatically takes your tongue down, you know, yeah. and it puts your flat part of your tongue in that right. position. You get that. Yeah, curve. yeah. You feel your you you feel your tongue come up when you say that automatically. Without even having the read, so before you even put a put the read in, um, you can literally just just hiss. And once you get really comfortable with hissing, you know, hiss with your lips closed, open them up a little, open them more. You get that smiley face. Now you do that exact same thing with the reed. Lips closed. Open. Open wider. And you can hear when, different tones, guys, with all of that, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. Just, and and that yep. arched lips from the smaller close to a little bit more open to an open mouth will oh, give yeah. you a different effect, right? Yeah. And I was literally blown on that read the exact same. And it just because you're opening your mouth wider and wider and get that smiley face, you're getting the different sounds. So it's really, that's the basics of it. Now, if you throw that into all your, your cow and calf stuff, you literally have three or four different cows, three or four different calves, all with doing the same little and sound. Even, that's the basics. Even going out the side of your mouth, you know, just parsing yep. out that sounds through yep. the side. Um, yeah. You'll now, see guys, you'll see guys pinch their nose and they get the nasally, nasally the more sound. nasally sound. Yeah. My nano doesn't so need to do that. 
so, um, so, you know, I, uh, my approach, I don't know if this is correct or not, probably not, but my approach is like, I, I couldn't really get the, the right pitch. Right. I mean, they, the guys used to mess with me as they called every cat in the neighborhood when I started using the, the diaphragm. But, uh, I almost, you know, when, when I was a kid, I remember when I was learning to whistle, I would just kind of spend all day trying to whistle stuff, like just mm-hmm. songs or anything like that. And just like playing around, playing around for, for the right sound to come out and then just trying to kind of make music out of it and make, make, you know, imitate notes of songs and stuff like that. That's kind of what I ended up doing with the diaphragm. I just put the diaphragm in my mouth and then I just started making noises and then you know, if I heard a song or, you know, just try to imitate the sounds with the, with the diaphragm. And I think that just me trying to replicate the sounds of a song in my head or, or something that I heard would help me get that dexterity around manipulating the read. Mm-hmm. And then, and then once I felt that that was, I was doing okay with that then it was time for me to listen to elk in youtube yeah and then i started listening to elk in youtube elk in youtube and then trying to as the elk were making sounds i was trying to imitate the sounds you know granted i was way off most of the time yeah but at least i was i kept on making the sound and trying to try to mimic what they were doing um yeah and i already had some practice with the songs you know or and yeah. So I, I don't know if that helps anybody, it's, but it's absolutely that's how I did what it. you're saying is right on because, and let's break this down into steps, right? Because you've got, first of all, being able to make a sound and yeah. which we're talking right. about in tongue placement and everything like that. And then what you're, what, what Travis was doing with his, what he calls his siren drill is basically mm-hmm. what musicians call doing scales, right? Yeah. You're doing your scales. You'll see musicians warm up. Doing their scales, especially if they're on any kind of air armature type control, um, then they are going to go ahead and do their scales up, down, up, down. Yeah. And then what you're doing is you are basically sight playing or sound playing a song or in your, in your case, Luis, you're taking mm-hmm. that song and you're doing those sounds and you're taking that scale that you worked with and you're applying that and teaching you better control, whether yeah, it's Inky yes. Doodle, whether it's, you know, Twinkle Twinkle, I don't mm-hmm. care if it's a rock, you know, thing. And you're actually just working on that control, changing the scale into ability of trying to match something, which your song happens to be what you heard Elk doing and trying to replicate that, right? Right. So, Think about this, guys. When we're talking about how to practice, we're talking about first making the sound, all right? And that's according to the air pressure. Then we're talking about working your scale from low tone up to a high tone. Controlling the sound. Making the sound first, then controlling the sound. Controlling it. Yeah. And even to the point where – so when you're doing scales, you're starting at the bottom going up and you're coming down. Sometimes what you want to do is just try doing – just come out with a low tone and just hold it. Just yeah. come out with a medium tone and hold it. Just come out with a high pitch tone and hold it. So, again, we're breaking down, giving you goals and procedure for holding the yeah. sounds. 
you can either do scales up and down, or you can say somebody says, give me an E. Somebody give me yes. a C, right? And you're just holding those tones. And then you be, yeah. you learn then to be able to translate that into the sounds that you're hearing to be able to reproduce yes. it. Uh, I, I want to talk about what you said, Bud, though, when you were talking about sounding like a cat. Because you were doing what a lot of people do incorrectly. Yeah. One of those things to yeah. avoid is instead of letting the pressure cause the sound or placement of the tongue, you were trying to use mouth like yes. it was like. Yeah. Yeah. Trying to, yep. you know, use the shape of the mouth to be able to yeah. make those sounds. Mm -hmm. Instead mm -hmm. of just dropping the jaw up and down, and that's a common, common mistake, right? So, yeah. Yes. So, so that's one thing we should also get them into the right read, Joe, because, like Louise, you probably found out if you were to use this read, this is a lot harder, and probably yes. why you're sounding like a uh, you know a screechy cat or whatnot, versus going to and, this read. Yeah. That's wow. The the tone is so. Smooth and different, mm -hmm. and and so much easier. Agree that to there learn was, to. there's a lot more control with the sugar, sure. mm -hmm. uh, but um, the grinder though, the grinder it's it makes it a lot easier when throwing bugles. So yeah, the right yeah. tool for the job, bud. Right? Yeah. Yes. So, yeah. Yes. And and that's what Travis is talking about. You know, he's making these low sounds. He's doing these low chuckles. He's doing these low whines. You don't yeah. want something that's difficult to work with in that. But that's why we created the grinder. That is a workhorse, man. Yeah. So if I'm yeah. screaming and I want to, I can get that. Yeah. And I can still get the, I can still get a cow yeah. call. Listen, yeah. Soft cow call. And it's, yeah. if I'm sending it, it It's almost like it needs more pressure. Uh, to to get the the lower tones, a little more yeah. air, right? Well, yeah, for for you to get that little higher tone, the, yeah, the, the higher tone is what I mean. Yeah, higher pitch. Right. Yes, yeah, right. yeah. But yeah. the so, more you more you call on this, and the more that latex stretches, then the sweeter it gets, and the easier it gets for the cow calls, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Right. So, so Travis, so uh, Travis, would you recommend a beginner use a a reed that has a thinner latex? Absolutely. Yeah, for sure, hundred percent. Go with something on the very easiest, thinnest latex that you can find. If it says calf, if it says cow, grab that one because it's going to be a twenty-five thou. It's going to be a three thou. Um, even if it says that on the package. Grab something that says three thousandths latex, or there you go. I was going to say or, the three thousand Yeah, right. yeah. It, so it's so, more, it's much more user friendly. I mean, and that's why yeah. we continue to say it. I mean, with those type of uh, reeds, it's it's literally you can make sounds with them right out of the packet and yeah. good sounds. You know, so yeah, yeah. That, that's what surprised me so much about the sugar was that you know and I, i'm not the ones that got the palette the metal palette to where you have to adjust it to actually you know eventually get the sounds to sound properly mm -hmm. those those are i mean i kind of started on those and, and and i you know it it wasn't easy 
you know? Yeah. And I was super surprised when, you know, started using the sugar and it was like right out of the pack. It just sounded great. I'm like, wow, you know, I wish I yeah. would have started with this, you know? Yeah. And that's the, that's the whole learning process of, you know, unfortunately most people have to go to the, the sports stores and buy the, buy the reads that are off the shelves. You know, yeah. we're lucky, mm-hmm. we're lucky now we can order stuff online and it comes right to our door. So you can go to Wapiti, you can go to Phelps, you can go to Elk Bros, you can go to Elk 101, you can order that stuff and it comes right to you. But if you're a fellow that's not, you know, savvy with the computer or your iPhone or whatnot, now you have to go to the store Ooh. and all of a sudden you're facing yeah. the store and oh, there's, yeah. <laughs> there's 200 calls and you're going, Oh my goodness. Like you're looking at all these, like where do you begin? Right. So that's why I'll say if you can, if you read any package, yeah. Any package that says cow call, calf call, 25 thou, three thou thickness. And that's just pertaining to the the latex thickness. You Mm -hmm. know, if I could, if you could measure how thick that was, that's I mean, three thousandths of an inch. Yeah, the thickness. This one's twenty-five. So it's just a matter of, you know, wow. it's and this one you can't tell the difference. Right. But this this latex double what what this one would be. So you but you can't tell. You have to measure it. Stretch but the, as well because that's yes. Well, yeah, the stretch is also a part of it. Um, so that's why, like, if you're a real beginner caller and you're struggling, it's because I guarantee it's because you have too thick of a read. So if you could go to the store and get something a little thinner or, you know, go online, go to Elk Bros, get the sugar, it's going to be so much easier for you. Um, That's why Manano, you think about it, Manano, for you, the call that you liked the most was what? Sugar. The the sugar. sugar. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but at the same time now, people that – Listen, when we tell you to start with that, if that's especially for learning that control and, but if you go to start screaming bugles on that, mm-hmm. then you're going to be buying multiple sugars because you're going to be blowing that latex out. It's too soft. Yeah. Just scream in those bugles. It'll start blowing it out. Yeah. If you're, if you're really gentle on a read, like once you get to be a good caller, you can learn that you can be very gentle on the read and let the read do all the work for you. A beginner, a beginner is going to be ramming his tongue up into that latex, trying to get the high tones, not realizing it's, you know, let the read do the work, let the person do half the work. It, it's all about, you know, learning the technique basically of, of what you're trying to do. Cause believe it or not, I can take one of these sugars and I'll go the whole month of September. I did it last year. I did it the year before with my frolicker. I used the exact same read the whole season, but I wasn't light pressure, light air. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and that was yeah. I was going to make a comment on that, you know. And and there you can tell the difference between an experienced caller and a non-experienced caller. Yeah. You see, I go through reads way more than that. Yeah. In a season, but it, you know, I kind of compare mm-hmm. it to. Um, the, uh, divers, you know, you, you get a diver that, uh, on a dive, it can be down for hours and maybe use half of the oxygen in the tank, 
yeah. while you get a, a brand new diver down there and, you know, half hour, he's almost through the entire <laughs> tank of oxygen. So, so, I mean, yeah, I, I just kind of see that relationship of, you know, you yes. know how to optimize your sound through your read to where you can extend the longevity of it. Well, yeah. me, I, I, I'm not, you know, I'm concentrated yeah. on making the sound, yet I'm not efficient with the amount of air or pressure that I put on. Yeah, that's right. Let me ask this question, though. When you were trying to get volume on the show stage, what thickness were you using? Uh, that would be a 5,000. So, th- different. So, go- right. yes, go- yeah. So, it's 5,000 or 6,000 thickness. Versus twenty, you know, twenty five thou. Um, you're three times as thick, but now you can open your mouth big and wide. The other thing is on, on the stretch of the latex, the stretch is going to be a lot more. Like it's going to be side from this side to this side, and then from the front to the back as well. So you have like a four way stretch on it is what's happening. Um, the tighter you stretch something, the higher that pitch is going to go. And so now automatically, if you put more air, you ram air into your tube and across this reed, your volume's going to go up. Your tongue pressure is going to go up because you're hitting the high note. Now everything's going to be louder because of, because of it, right? My, my so point in that for those guys that I, I want to make sure that they're wrapping their head around this that. If you're doing light, easy type calls, if you're doing light, easy type bugles, if you're doing chuckles, cow calls, calf calls, if you're doing just light moans and groans, you're not putting a lot of pressure on. You're not doing right. a lot of work on that latex. So the lighter latex will last you forever. Now, if yeah. you're doing screaming, if you're like screaming stuff all the time or trying to do something that's heavy volume, heavy aggressiveness, because... I am a more aggressive caller than what Travis is just in our yeah. style and shape. I'm more yeah. German. He's more French. Is the only way I yeah. can explain it. He's more je t'aime and I'm more. <laughs> so, um, even though in the right situation, I'm doing the same thing, you know, when I'm low vocaling it, right? So yeah. I just want to make sure that they understand that, that. Yeah. The job, the right stretch, the right diaphragm for it, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and so also in saying that, now you have like my style, I ramp into my call very gently and, and add air pressure into it as I'm going. Whereas Joe, you're more forceful. You have more air pressure right off the get go. And then you continue that, that press going. Yeah. So if you take like the sugar and my style, yeah, show your tone there. Go ahead. Just nice and easy, showing that. And so it'll still do it, but you can see how gentle I'm just, I'm literally just kind of slowly ramping up into it, letting the reed do all the work. Like, and, and the reed's doing guys, 90% of it. We are advocating in Travis and his style and, and actually our style, the low vocals and stand down where we're, we're mm-hmm. very sparing on the bugling, right? 
But if we yeah. are there, if like I am using location, if I am in a more of a rut situation where things are going crazy around me and I'm just trying to get that response and I'm going to, I basically broadcast a high note so it's going to be more So you never, you never hear me going through the, yeah. you know, I'm not playing the scale. I'm given something that I think that they're going to respond to and drop. Yeah. So again, yeah. different things at a different time. So that's why yeah. we carry different diaphragms like that, depending on the situations that occur. Right. Yeah. And and so doing that high note location beagle that you just did, Joe, my whole thought process, too, with all the elk calling that I do, no matter what, if it's cow calling, calf calling, location beagle, I'm still letting a, a, a quiet one out in front of me. Right. At a, at a low pressure, still a high pitch, like... Versus reaching out further. A lot more air pressure involved in that one, right? But right. Right. I always want to do just my style. I, I, I do a short one that's going to reach out 150, 200 yards. So that I and then, I'll, then yeah. I'll blow that other one that goes 250, 300 or... Or, or whatever it goes. And generally, that's what I want, you know, I want to make sure I clarify is that my first calls out there are always giving the total bull sound from bottom to the top when I'm first calling. But if I haven't get responses to my close to far, yeah, then what I'm doing is pretty much because I've already casted my broadcasting at that point i'm just Mm -hmm. broadcasting far i'm just like that 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 club that is going to just reach you know yeah because those higher those higher um pitches are they they travel right yeah further yeah yeah so i i just want to make sure we're we're talking about the same thing but in a little different way so yeah yeah. that's right exactly Um, yeah now, I want to go back, Travis, because, again, in the, the teaching part of it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The, the nice thing about when you're doing the moans like that, right, is that you have air coming out. And so now mm-hmm. just that tongue placement allows you, just like what you were doing before, you were given that little um with the voice. Yeah. Yeah. Tongue is there and you got air coming out that now you can just do that to add that little bit of a squeal. If you'll do that again for them to hear that. Yeah. And so what you're going to find versus ramming your tongue up into it and getting to that high note just screaming my tongue is literally just barely holding this reed up 
I, I can't show you with my fingers, but my tongue is just barely holding it. And it's almost like just fluttering in front of it. Like, like it's just, it's so light that you're just barely holding the, it into the roof of your mouth. And then basically you're just, I'll do it without the tube so you can see. Yeah. You see what I mean? And and, and it's, it's just a it's just a lower throat. Yeah, it just comes yeah. off the back of the throat. That you know, yeah. growling at your dog. Okay. Yeah, growling and and then you can be and there's different levels to that. I mean, you can be like it's all just different moans and aggressiveness of it and how you want it to come out the other one that's real good is almost like a bull that is starting to get worked up and he's starting to bugle but he doesn't quite do it right yeah Yeah. like 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 a search bugle almost yeah so if if I'm kind of like you know, he just doesn't quite yeah. get it, right? Yeah, that's right. Starting to feel it, or you even have that one that... Yeah, yeah. So you'll get that where they go into the chuckle, and then they'll take it one step further past your first one there, Joe, where you went... and almost got to the bugle, and then the next one is, they will be a bugle. It'll be... Working it. So, that's right, working right up to it. Yeah. Almost like they're, like, setting their voice to what is going to come out in the end. Right. So when we're talking about practicing, I hope you guys are getting this, man. You've got to practice that use of voice. You mm-hmm. want to practice those different type of growls. And there's different emotions in the growls. I can be... Or, uh, I mean, there's yeah. different that you can get there. Same thing with the diaphragm, right? So we're talking about then working your scales after you get that, working your scales up and down. Then we're talking about yeah. your lows, your mids, and your highs, right? Yeah. Yeah. The one thing they- we talk about is like the 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 huffs, you know, in yeah. as well. Just the heavy breathing, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And and so leading into that, you know, using your reed to get those moans and, and the, the groans and stuff, it goes right into the cow calling side of it as well. So you can have your cow call. So you're using your voice, just really throwing your voice in just a little bit. Now you get that more estrus type sound, more raspy, more. A lot of the cows, that's what they want. They don't want to hear. They want to hear. And especially the cows, when they hear that sound at the end, 
they get all excited and they start calling a lot more as well. So, but it's just learning to add your voice into it just a little bit. Because actually that sound is a demand. It's mm-hmm. really where they, it's a demanding mew for somebody to do something. When those cabs hear that, it's like yeah. telling them, hey, you know, where are you? Right? So. Yeah. If you're ever fortunate enough and you get into a herd of elk, like when you're walking out and it's, it's, it went totally dark on you, but you're coming out and there's, there's cat, you hear cows and calves kind of off in the distance, you know, throw out one of those little buzz sounds, like with your voice to say, yeah, and just see what happens. Those cows in that herd will just get so excited and then the cows start going and the next thing you know the bull's like back in the background and the whole herd is like moving towards you even though you've only did a couple sounds they'll migrate over towards you and and I've I've ended up right in the middle of a herd before in the pitch black you can't see anything going on around you but there's all these sounds they literally envelop you and like two years ago the herd bull was even right there. I could hear him breathing, like, maybe 50 yards away from me. He's, like, breathing down your neck almost. So, but if you get in that situation, like, let it play out and and just enjoy it. It might be five minutes. It might be half an hour. But really, those sounds that you're hearing, put those in your memory bank, especially yeah. the stuff from the calves and stuff. Like, don't just don't just be in the moment and, oh, man, this is awesome. I'm hearing all this take in each and every one of those sounds and like you know put them in your memory and then that's how a lot of my practice comes out you know I'll I'll hear those sounds that the cows are doing the calves have done even bugles you know there's one bull that I go out and I call with and he does kind of a weird thing so I in my I've added into my repertoire every year I'm listening for one bull that just sounds odd from all the other ones and there's one bull that i hunt he has kind of a gurgly sound at the start it's kind of like a sound almost so when he bugles it's almost like And so I've heard that same one where it just stayed there. It never even got to the height. It just stayed with that gurgle. Exactly, yeah. And it's almost like he's, like, rolling the back of his throat, like, ooh, like, (laughs) it's hard to do it, but. (laughs) So so you mentioned mentioned repertoire. Um, In, in you know, as as you get more and more skilled, you then kind of learn – different sounds hurt hear different sounds and your kind of your hard drive expands to where you can just kind of pull from that hard drive and use it yeah. line. but i'm assuming that a lot of it too comes from your practices to your competitions so um yeah and 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 here's the other question you know we, we were last podcast we're talking to um one of the guys, and he, he, you know, he, he was explaining his training for the competition. And the same question goes to you is like, is there a different set of goals in how you approach your practicing for competition versus 
practicing for going hunting? Or are you simply just approaching both the same way? Well, I'll kind of answer that as when I first started learning how to call, I'm, I was terrible. You know, I went a whole year and I couldn't make a sound on a read. Um, so basically it, you start learning and you start learning with a cow sound and then you'll learn a location bugle and then dang, you get pretty good at the location bugle. So now automatically you're going to try doing something else. Well, okay, maybe I'll throw a growl in to the start of it. So you go from, doing a location bugle and it, you might only have that call for a year, a two, two years, three years, and then you're going to get bored of doing that call. So you're automatically going to go, okay, well, I want to do something different. Or it might be through that year where you hear another bull do a sound and you want to mimic them because that's what a lot of callers do. They mimic what the bull's doing and it is a great way to practice. So now you're automatically going to throw, say, the growl in. So you're going to go from that high note location bugle to a so now instead of just having a location bugle you've got the growl bugle you know um and then you're gonna eventually start learning how to do chuckles you know because everybody wants to bugle and they would do a chuckle at the end so your whole career your whole calling career i guess is basically just adding on top of layer of layer on top of layer right you get better and better and your sound gets better as as you're going because you're working on all those different things and you're working on your cow sounds most people don't practice the calf stuff i can honestly say most most people focus on the cow sound you know You don't hear too many people doing the calf stuff. So it's a real easy call to learn. You're just doing half of your cow meat. You're just doing the high the high part of it. So throw that into your repertoire. Now you got a cow sound. You got a calf sound. I kind of that's how my whole career has gone. And then as you get into the stage calling stuff, quite honestly, you'll use uh, I would say you'll use half of that fancy stuff out in the bush. Like, I'll use a location bugle. I'll use your advertising bugle where you're growling into a high note. Um, a lip ball, which everybody does on stage. Honestly, I don't remember the last time I used a, a lip ball out in the bush. I mean, it's very... I agree. The only time I would use a lip ball, it would be a really short lip ball. And it would be because I moved into a herd of cows that has a herd bull, and now I'm like 50, 60 yards away from them. And now I want to talk directly to those cows. And that's what you hear Joel Turner talking about. He calls it the bull calling cow bugle. And what that is, it's a really short lip ball grunt. So it'll sound... Really aggressive. So you do hear the lip ball. So... It's high note, lip ball, grunt. So I'll do it slow. So you hear the three different stages? Yes. Then you throw it all in one. 
Now, the reason that call is really important, now, instead of talking to the bull, you're basically talking to his ladies. Well, if you talk to just his ladies... He's going to be upset and come up. Exactly, 100%. And since you're only 50, 60 yards away, that bull's in your lap at 25, 30 yards in a matter of 5, 10 seconds. Like, it's, it's right now. But I can also say in the last three or four years... I've probably only done that, I can think off the top of my head, three different occasions where I've actually done that. Yeah. So it's not a call that you just walk around the bush and do that call and, and throw fancy lip balls all the time because my belief is you're actually scaring more elk off by doing those aggressive type sounds versus just throwing out a nice little location bugle that just says, hey, guys, how are you doing? I'm over here. And you get the answer yeah, every back. Every season, it might be a small bull that started gathering, and then you yep. may scare him away. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's. And don't get me wrong. I'm. I still am under the belief that no matter, no matter what stage you are in calling, you cannot sound as awesome as what a real live bull elk sounds like, just because our our lungs are so small compared to theirs. But we try, and we do sound pretty aggressive and pretty ferocious at times. And then basically it's, I don't think you're ever going to scare those those bigger bulls away because they know by the tone that you're throwing out that they can whoop you. Not as big as they are. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, yeah, maybe you might scare the little spikers away and stuff Joe's, like that. Joe scared one a couple years ago. Um, I think it's still running. <laughs> it's still going. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> so, uh, we so started Travis, on video. Yeah, Travis, as you're getting better and better, do you, are you constantly evolving as far as your techniques when you get out on the field? Well, I can honestly say um, my calling isn't really evolving, but uh, how I'm putting the sounds out there and what I'm saying to the elk like I don't, you, you don't know exactly what they're saying back to you, obviously. But scenario I, and strategy. Yes, and 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 the tones that you're doing, um, the emotion you're throwing behind it. That's what runs a hundred percent of my calling. It's all the role play. Has emotion, mm-hmm. yeah, emotion based role play. And I hate and to say it, but those. Those sounds, yes, <laughs> but those sounds, uh, to answer your question, Chav, the, the sounds are, yeah, they're getting better and better as you go, but that's not really my goal. They get better automatically just by doing them by repetition. But what I'm looking for is the perfection in the sound that you're, that you're producing. So say you're going from like the growl to your high note. I don't want it to be like, uh, a nice growl and, and then into a squeaky high note that breaks a couple times. Mm-hmm. I'm looking for a nice, you know, a nice transition. So everything goes nice and smooth, you know what I mean? So it's all um, about practice. It's all about practice. Yeah. It does all go back to practicing. Um, and see, that's, that's, and okay, just, let's take that, just, let's 
let's go yeah. back to where if for those people that are practicing and what Chav's question, I, I like that because now where you're at, there's some things that you just take so for granted because of your skill set. But so the goals for those people just starting out mm-hmm. should be number one should be control, right? Yeah. And yeah. being able to change their call according to length, voice inflection, you know, by adding that and, and yeah. just getting that down. And, and once they are comfortable with that, then, yeah. you know, you talk about your intermediate and your advanced because you're at that advanced stage where you know how to get from one point A to B in a in a call, and now you're able to play with that rhythm and when those sounds happen in perfecting that, right? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, your goals now, like for example, you're getting ready. Let's say, and 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 we're talking stage, right? In doing that, because that is part of your life. Um, again, yeah. when we're out there in the field, like you talked about the, um, you know, the display, um, being able to do that lip ball and, and really the only time yeah. I have used it, I've only killed one bull that I actually used that lip ball for. And it was pretty much the same thing. It yeah. wasn't, it wasn't really to be in there and, and intimidate the bull that was already there with the cows. It was a moving herd and I actually used that display to slow the cows down for sure. me, you know, because I'm talking to them to slow down instead of interacting yeah. with the bull, right? So yeah, that's that right. Kind of keep up with them a little bit, right? Yeah, so exactly. It actually let me get in a position to be ahead of them, and Luis was with me with that. But you know, for people, you know, your goal on the stage now to get ready, your perfection has a little bit different goals than just in the field because in the field there's a lot of that stuff you're not going to use right mm-hmm. yeah like honestly 50 percent of it yep. is what i wouldn't use honestly and that's quite so going into the going into hunting season literally perfect your calf your calf call mm-hmm. perfect your location bugle and then perfect your advertising bugle um now okay so is, to explain to people what that the differences between that yeah. location and advertising. So, so your location bugle is just going up, hitting a high note, and just holding that high note. And I like to hold it exaggerated. You know, most bugles are two, three seconds long. Mm-hmm. So hold your high note location bugle for five, six, seven seconds. Just get into that high note. But then don't end it with a big growl or anything on the end. Just ramp it down a little bit. Just... just you know, kind of gentle. So, location bugle. <laughs> Nothing real crazy. Now, your advertising bugle. Now, you're going to want to growl a lot more at the start, and you're going to start shortening up your bugle. One, See, one second, yeah. 1.5, right? That's right, yeah. So, you're going again with their emotion. When they start getting more ramped up their bugles get shorter and shorter so instead of a long location bugle that you're reaching out saying hey i'm trav i'm over here now you're doing the advertising bugle uh, or display bugle as you like to call it um 
now you're throwing more aggressive in and you're you're shortening it out. So And so you're ending it a lot more forceful as well. So you got the growl, you're still going to the high note, but then it's more of a at the end. Because what you're really doing, you're calling out to all those ladies, saying, hey, ladies, look how awesome I sound. You know, and like you say, Joe says the cows pick the bulls for their breeding. So if you can sound awesome, spectacular, and have that nice bugle at the, ooh, one of those ladies wants to come over and have a look at you. Well, you might just win her heart over just by doing that sound. So, yep. And that's the, really the only difference between the the location bugle and the display bugle is the display is shorter and more aggressive. And if you're able to do any of those, y'all, you're able to do. And and one thing that we do our session in the next um, Geminar is we're going to talk about situational stuff and scrimmage type stuff and and exactly what Travis is talking about here in the low vocalizations because to us one of our successes that I feel is we're not the same old rodeo and Mm -hmm. you know I think Travis uses a lot of those things too as well because he's in country that has grizzly bears as well so yeah there's there's benefits in that that you're not attracting bears from far off and you're not attracting hunters from far off as well. So, yeah, um, yeah. And am I right, That's... dudes? Is this guy like a great teacher or what? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he is. Yeah, yeah. And 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 the calf stuff that I do do, I like to have it really smooth and perfect. But let's be honest, I'm not doing a whole lot of it. Just because of the the cougars, the grizzly bears, the black bears, um, oh, like a lot of yeah. I'm not going to be using any cow or cow. <laughs> <laughs> That's but but now, I for, mean, for those of you guys out there that are practicing, those calf calls are money when you're coming in yep. herds because you can get away a lot more with those calf calls than. You can anything else, so. Yeah, yeah. Money in the sense, Joe, that everything comes to a calf call. Yep. Calves come to it, moms come to it, and the big bulls come to it. I mean, you'll call in a giant 6x6 six six or 7x7. Seven seven. They're coming to it, you know, because they want to see, well, why is this calf making this sound? And if, if there's a calf, obviously there's a cow somewhere, yep. so there's going to be multiple cows. So now that bull has multiple opportunities to get a girlfriend, sneak back in the dark timber, and, you know, Bob's your uncle. So, (laughs) but, you know, so that's just, that's how they're thinking, you know, and that's why the calf call is so darn important versus the cow call. If you, right now, you just scared 50% of the elk away. Yep. Just by doing that sound. I mean, yeah, some of them are going to stick around, but if that cow heard you make that sound and she doesn't like it, yep. she's going to round up the other girls. Cow, she's gone. Yeah, yeah, that's the right. Cow, yep. Give them the calf cow, the calf call. So the calf. Higher pitch, shorter, not as much drop off. So when you're looking yeah. at goals, 
again, when we're talking about how to practice that, that you hear that cow call, a little more maturity in the voice, a lot more drop. Yeah. It's a lot longer. Now, I want you to look at Travis's mouth as well. Watch how when he goes to the calf call, he gets more smiley face, letting a little bit more of that air so it gets quicker on there. So watch that. Yeah, yeah. So I do the smiley face, but I'm also putting more pressure on the latex to get the tone a little bit higher because I want it to be at the top end of that cow that starts the calf. So, So cow. Calf. Yeah. 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 Awesome. And basically, it's just a little bit of air. Yep. I like the smiley face. That's all you're doing. (laughs) Yeah. 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 That's the easiest way to learn how to do it because your mouth automatically has to go go into your position. Yeah. Quick question. Um. Joe, Joe, I know you have a lot of, um, you know, media and videos and stuff like that in the academy. Um, I know you've made a lot of upgrades to the academy as well. Is there a section where people can actually listen to the sounds? And I think there is, to the, all the sounds that elk make as far as like a, a new caller to actually just be able to click on, you know, regular cow call, cow in estrus, yeah. So we're actually, we're actually working on, on that being added right now. Right. Currently what we have is making those sounds myself and letting them hear that and talking about those sounds is what it is. So they can actually do it like that. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, I was thinking, yeah, along those lines, but then have the actual elk sounds making those sounds to where you can. That's where we're working to add that. Progress to the next step after you learn how to make them from you explaining to them being able to. uh, It's a a great point and a great addition that we're trying to put in there because I think. The other other comment I was going to make. The other comment I was going to make is, um, you know, Travis, you mentioned something earlier in the, in the, in the podcast today. You said, you know, don't be afraid of, of throwing calls out there. You know, mm-hmm. you're not really going to scare a lot of stuff away. You just, you know, get yourself to trying and stuff like that. And yeah, I can relate to that because I know I've, I've said it a few times. It's like initially I was just afraid of, you know, making sounds that would scare animals away or, and, yeah. uh, but then I got to thinking, like, man, if Manano is not afraid of making any calls, anybody, sh- nobody should be afraid of making any calls out of the woods. So I just want to put that out there for the callers to make sure. Hey, that, uh, you will never be worse than Manano. I, actually, I wasn't. <laughs> I, I'm not afraid to make to make some calls. I'm afraid of uh, make movement. For example, if I go inside of the woods and uh, start breaking and making, you know, noise and stuff before even think about it and, and even see if there's elk over yeah. there. Yeah. So that's my concern. I don't, yes. I don't, that's, that's why I just, you know, depart mm-hmm. from, from most of the guys. I, I'm, I'm always careful <laughs> making movements, making sounds. I, I'm, 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 I, I rather wait a little bit, listen to the woods and then, Make up my make my move, 
and there's nothing wrong with that at all. Yeah. The listening and yeah, it's just counter. It's just counterintuitive to yeah. what you uh, the the style of hunting you you were raised. Yes, with. I, I'm, I, yes, that's that's my my point. I'm not saying it's yeah. wrong to, otherwise, but uh, it's the, it's the way I I, I grew up. So the thickness of the woods and the and the and the terrain, how it goes up mm-hmm. and down, will always dictate how much movement and how much right. sound you can get away with. Because, you know, if you're worried about spooking something and there's a lot of visual area, then there's a good chance of that. But right. if it's a very thick or the terrain is up and down and it changes like that, then it's a whole different ball game. So yeah, right. yeah. So we're so that's. What Manano's talking about is more tactic infused, I would say. And that's kind of my, my take on, on the tactic as well. Before I go in and I just start making any sound, first off, I'm sitting there listening and I'm, I'm surveying the situation, but I'm also setting it all up. I know this is getting more advanced than what we want to talk about, but I'm trying to set up the shooting position before you even make any sounds. Because the minute you make a sound in the elk woods, if there's elk in the area, you you totally have a very good chance of calling those animals to your location. Right. Yes, sir. So the first step, like Manano was saying, you know, survey the situation, set up your shooting location, then move back, do your calling, let it all unfold. But if you just walk into that bush and you don't do anything, you just stand there and you survey the situation going, hmm. Oh, those are nice trees. Oh, that'd be a good spot for a tree stand. And if you don't initiate the calling, <clears throat> nothing's going to happen. Right. So right. even if you're the poorest caller in the world, just by going out there and trying to do a cow sound or a calf sound or throw out whatever, even if it's a feeble attempt at a location bugle, that's a hundred percent better than just going in that bush and not doing anything right. whatsoever. Yeah. Because I can guarantee you, if you go in that bush and you don't do anything, nothing's going to happen. But if you go in that bush and try something, something there gonna might happen. be there might be an exception to that rule, Travis. If you go and take a dump and you bring, you don't <laughs> take your bow with you. You will see that's a bad side. Yeah, yeah. We have that. That, that is a great. If we're going to talk about ends, I guess that's. <laughs> that's a good ending. That's a good ending right there. So we leave some people with something to think about, man. Hey, Travis, um, thanks, man, for doing our third one with uh, us. Thank and, you. And uh, as thank always, you, you know. That's why, brother, we, we love you and we love having you with us. And people, this is not going to be the last time you're going to hear from Travis. He's going to be doing a lot with us. We are, um, we're, we're connected. He's part of our team. He's part of our staff and, uh, we love having him. He's going to be on a lot of shows with us when we have other people yeah. as well. He and, adds so much to this. So and he, yeah. and he will be, and he will be making paella with me up there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Manano already told me he's my caller this year. Don't, so. Oh, Travis, Travis, don't be It's going to be awesome. <laughs> All right. Here we it'll, go, be, it'll be fun. <laughs> yeah. Travis, don't be counting. Don't be counting on that paella. It was promised last year and it never took place. It never it happened. Didn't come out. Oh man, this year for sure. Yeah, yeah. So guys, if you like what we're doing, please subscribe, rate, and review. If you 
want to do that, you have to go to Apple Podcasts or iTunes to review. And please be sure, y'all, to include your name, where you're from, and get into our drawing. Next time, we're going to draw, do that spin a winter wheel, and one of y'all going to get an Elk Bros soloist grunt tube out of that. Okay? And just a reminder, if you... Any of you guys out there want your question answered on our show, just send your question to info at elkbros.com. That's info at elkbros.com. And, y'all, I'm not in Texas, and neither are they. (laughs) 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 You know, while you're out there, guys, this September's coming. Keep dreaming of the screaming. Keep believing in achieving. But most of all, whatever you do, Keep grinding. Hey, guys, that was a good one tonight. Good night, everybody. Good night to you guys. Thanks for being here. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it, guys. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Thank you, Travis. Awesome as always. Yeah, every time it's a pleasure. Take a good look at me. I'll be gone for a while in the backcountry. Where peace of mind is destiny. It's a trail with a pack on my back, mountain house meals in a baby sack. I'm gone for a while, baby, take a good look at me. With the highest peak and no backdrop, it's a long way up from here and a long way down.